Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name's Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, some of you may know this, uh, but we recently, we welcomed our second child into the world. It's been about eight weeks. It's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, There were some things that we expected from this, but some of the things that I had not expected as a parent is how, how much of a pushover I think I would be as far as a parent. Um, There are so many things that before kids, I would say that may be great for that family, but not us. You know, this like, you know, bribing your kids. I thought, no way we're going to bribe our kids. Uh, That's out the window. Um, Screen time. Like, how much screen time are we going to allow our kids? And we thought, you know, we're going to limit it. It's going to be very monitored, very limited basis. That's also out the window. Um, There are a couple TV shows that we had previously seen that's like, no way I'm going to ever watch these kids' shows. They'll watch what we want. You know, obviously it'll be age appropriate, but, you know, we want to make sure that it's still something that uh, we might be able to enjoy as well. And uh, that as well, also out the window. Um, And so I just kind of found myself like, you know what, let's just embrace it. Let's just enjoy some of the shows uh, that Liam, our oldest one, who's almost three, he enjoys. First one being Bluey. Are you all familiar with Bluey? Um, if you've got you know, kids or grandkids, it's this cartoon of an Australian blue healer dog family, and they kind of have some life lessons that you see them kind of learn and grow together. That one's not so bad. Um, the other one is the Baby Shark TV show. You all know that song that you'll be singing for the next three hours because I mentioned it. Well, there's a TV show uh, that's kind of loosely based around the song That one's not our favorite. We try to stay away from that one. Um, Paw Patrol is another one that's pretty popular. Uh, Again, a very catchy song. Um, But what I found a little bit more enjoyable is he's kind of gotten into some of the classics that I grew up on, and and maybe some of you share in those as well. Uh, For example, we've got Mickey Mouse. You know, we've got Disney, and there's now the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. It's a little bit more of a newer version, but... Again, it's a good show. I grew up on Mickey, so I can put up with it. Winnie the Pooh is another one. Um, This one, again, it's kind of been updated. Some of them are still the cartoons. Some of them are kind of more the computer uh, graphic stuff. So again, a good show. Um, But Sesame Street is another one that I kind of find to be, again, just helpful and enjoyable at the same time. But one thing that I find enjoyable is that each one of them have little like lessons, little nuggets of truth kind of packed into these shows. Uh, And there's one I saw the other day that I thought was incredibly helpful, not only for him as a child, but also for me as an adult. Uh, It was by the great theologian Big Bird um, that was shared. And I'm not going to sing the song because y'all will leave, uh, so I'll just read it. Um, But this is the song uh, that Big Bird said. It says, oh, everyone makes mistakes. Oh, yes, they do. Your sister and your brother and your dad and your mother too. Big people, small people, matter of fact, all people. Everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? And I think this is just reinforcing the fact that we are not perfect, right? 
we're flawed individuals. We're going to mess up. You know, as parents, we're going to mess up a lot. Uh, at least I know I do. Um, as kids, we're figuring things out. We're going to mess up. But what I started to think about, as I've gotten older, there's been those mistakes, we'll call them, that I've made, where maybe it's not so easy to just kind of get over or forgive myself for. You know, what about those mistakes where it's not so easy to ask or maybe even accept the forgiveness that's offered? And I think that's what happens in the story with Peter and the denial of Jesus. So we're going to pick up there in John 21. But first, a short little background. Jesus has been captured. And while he was captured, we had Peter, who not only was predicted to deny Jesus, but ends up denying Jesus. Well, Jesus was then captured and then crucified, buried, but then resurrected. And he showed back up to the disciples and some other people. And we've had him show up, not only to the 11, but then we see him show up to other people. And there's this moment where they're on the beach. It's early morning. The disciples have been fishing all night long. I'm sure they're pretty tired. Text tells us that they haven't caught much. Jesus tells them, cast your net on the other side. And they do, and they pull in literally a boatload of fish, um, and Simon Peter, realizing it is Jesus on the beach, so excited, so overwhelmed, jumps out and swims over to meet Jesus on the beach where they have breakfast. This is where we'll pick up in John 21, starting with verse 15. It says this, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we say, thanks be to God. And this is the gospel of John. And we've heard this, you know, Pastor Chris, this is his favorite gospel. But when John writes, he writes in a, like a sense, almost poetic, where there's multiple layers to what's happening here. But some of the things that I want to point out that are a little bit obvious, maybe to us just at first glance or not. But one of the things I want to point out is that Jesus, when having this conversation with Peter doesn't assume anything. And I mean this when Jesus is referring to Peter, notice what he doesn't call him, Peter. He calls him son of John, Simon, son of John, Simon, son of John. Every single time, the three times he mentions him, he says, Simon, son of John. And what happens earlier in the text in John first, the first chapter, uh, the 42nd verse, we see Jesus actually give Simon Peter, this nickname. It says this, Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And both of these, Cephas and Peter, mean rock. Cephas is the Aramaic, Peter is the Greek. But we see Jesus give this nickname to Peter. And I think this shows the relationship, not only that they had, but they were going to have. Because nicknames have a sense of showing relationships, right? 
We've all got nicknames from loved ones. Um, you know, I know Alicia and I, we share in some nicknames that only we know of each other and we share with one another. Uh, my brother and I, we have nicknames for each other. My sister and I, my mom and I, you know, all of these relationships we have in life, we probably have nicknames, right? Some of them are probably more endearing than others. Uh, some of them you're probably more proud of uh, than others, but we have these nicknames. Um, I've shared previously that a nickname of mine was Wild Willie, right? I earned that nickname. Um, I'm proud of it in today's world. Uh, probably wasn't so much uh, when that was uh, my nickname more so, but that was my nickname. And when we're meeting people, maybe for the first time, uh, maybe when we're trying to impress someone, we probably won't want to use our nickname uh, when we introduce ourselves or say what a, you know, their nickname is. For example, this coming Thursday, the new bishop of the Florida Conference is coming to the church, and I will meet him for the first time. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to walk over and go, hey, Bishop Tom Berlin, I'm Wild Willie. Nice to meet you. No. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be professional. I'm going to say, my name's Will Kendes. I'm the associate pastor here. You know, I'm not going to call him Tommy. I'm like, hey, Tommy, how's it going? No, I'm going to just assume that you know, we're going to be professional here because these nicknames, they show a relationship that we have with one another. And Jesus, when having this conversation with Peter, he doesn't assume anything. And I think by doing this, I think he does a few things. First is, I think he opens himself up to vulnerability. He's kind of entering this conversation by saying, we had this previous history, we had this relationship, but let's just start at square one, you know? I'm not going to assume we were close like we were. I'm not going to assume you're comfortable, me calling you Peter. Let's just call you Simon, son of John, your formal name. And by doing this, I think Jesus opens Peter up for a way out. That gives Peter a way to say, yep, call me John, Simon, son of John, and no harm, no foul, but, you know, this relationship we previously had, we can walk away. You know, what was done is done, and that's it. But I also think this opens up Jesus to give Peter a new start. This says, hey, what has happened, the negative stuff, let's go back before that. Let's start back from the beginning. The wrongs that have happened, let's erase them. Let's start from where we started. And Jesus, as I mentioned, he calls him Simon, son of John, how many times? Three times. And every one of those times, he responds differently. The first time, he says, feed my lambs. Then he says, take care of my sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. In John 10, 27, we see Jesus reference his followers as sheep. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. But what about the lamb part? Well, lambs are what? Baby sheep. Yeah, they're newer sheep, you know? And this could be a reference into the Christian faith, those who follow Jesus at a newer time those who are more early in their faith walk than others. There's a theologian, uh, his name is Theophylact of Orid, and he kind of talks about that. He said this could be seen to see the progress of Christians as they go through. And as Jesus calls out to Peter to take care of both the lamb and the sheep, but what I think is interesting that he notes in this is that he says this, but even the more advanced 
sometimes need gentler care as well. Those who are farther along, because he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, and feed my sheep. Because how many times does Jesus ask Peter if he loves him? Three. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Jesus gives him every chance to make up for the wrongs he has done. But another thing that's interesting is that we know Peter denied Jesus. Do you know what he was standing next to when he denied him? Charcoal fire, because this took place at night. They were around a charcoal fire. They were warming themselves, and Peter denies Jesus. They just had breakfast. What do you think they used to cook the fish? Charcoal fire. Jesus is setting the stage. Jesus is giving Peter every chance to make right on the wrongs that he has done. And he's doing so, giving him a chance to make things even. For example, if somebody comes and steals $1,000 from you, it'd be pretty upsetting, right? But they come back and they say, hey, I'm really sorry I stole that money. Here's 20 bucks. Call it even, all right? Yeah. No, you're going to go, where's the rest? That's not, that's not equal to what you stole from me. Where's the rest of the money? You're going to want equal payment for the wrong that was done to you. There's a story I had when I was younger. I was with two of my buddies. There were three of us. And we were going over to what I assumed to be a mutual buddy's house. We show up. My first buddy goes in. Second buddy goes in. And then I start to go in, and I got the door literally slammed on my face. And my friend, who I thought was my friend, said, you can't come in. You're not allowed in here. Go home. And not only was I incredibly hurt, because he literally slammed the door in my face and it hurt physically, but the betrayal I felt, the emotion that came from this. I remember walking home crying the whole way home, because not only was I denied by my one friend who didn't even let me in, but my other two friends just went in. They didn't seem to come back out, open the door. Where's Will? No, they went in, had a great time. Not only did that apology never come from the one friend, but it didn't come from the other friends as well. You know, I would maybe have expected him to go, hey, I'm really sorry, you know, we buds, sure. But what would have really made amends is if he would have done so in front of the other two friends. The wrong that was done would have been equal, or the apology that was given would have been equal to the wrong that was done. But not only does Jesus make things equal, but then Jesus, by calling him to take care of the sheep and the lambs, places him even higher than they were before. Because Jesus, as he asks these questions, is reinstating Peter, not only to a follower, but as the leader of the followers. You're going to be the one who the followers follow. You're going to be the one who I will build my church upon. Jesus gives Peter this chance, this moment of grace, to come back into following him and places him in this position. But he doesn't do so lightly. He says there will be a cost. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He sets the expectation. And he continues on with verse 18 and 19 saying this, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. 
Then Jesus told him, follow me. Tradition tells us that Peter was eventually captured and killed by the emperor of Rome, Nero. Nero ruled Rome from 54 to 68 AD, so we know it was sometime after this all took place. But Peter didn't feel as though he was worthy enough to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. So he was actually crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to be killed in that manner. But Jesus is also comparing the life that Peter led, young, carefree, go wherever you want. Life's good, right? But then he said, others will take you where you don't want to go. Not only foreshadowing the crucifixion, but also saying, you're going to go places. If you're following me, you're going to go places you don't want to go. Matter of fact, he says, we are going to go places. Because when we follow Jesus, these are places Jesus has already been, and Jesus is going. That's the cost of discipleship. That's the cost that we, as we answer this call to Jesus when he says, follow me, that we must say yes to. Billy Graham talks about that. He has a great quote that says this, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, forgive me, or I need help. Jesus let Peter know this when he said, you will go and be taken to places you don't want to go. And when we do that, our lives will look different. We will stand out. We may stand out from our friends. We may stand out from our family, but we will definitely stand out from the world. Are you all familiar with Lord Kenneth Clark and the TV show Civilization on the BBC? You all familiar with this? Passed away in 1983. Historian, art historian, kind of focused on architecture and art and everything else like that. Well, his job was to travel around, and as he was part of this show, he looked at some of the most beautiful places in the world, some of the most beautiful art, most of which were probably churches. But despite going to these places, he was never a believer himself. He liked it, he appreciated it, but he never found himself as a believer. But before his passing in his autobiography, he writes of a time where he was in a church in San Lorenzo, where he felt like he felt God. He goes on to say this about his experience. He said, my life was far from blameless. I would have to reform. My family would think I was going mad and perhaps after all, it was a delusion for I was in every way unworthy of such a flood of grace. In this moment, he did not feel like he was worthy. He goes on to say, I was too deeply embedded in the world to change course, but I had help. But I had felt the finger of God quite sure. Our lives will look different. There will be a cost. We will have to change course. But what I find most interesting, Cadence, if we go back real quick, is this quote where he mentions, he says, I was in every way unworthy of such a flood of grace. Big Bird said it best. We're going to make mistakes. I'm going to you're going to, our parents are going to, our siblings are going to, our kids are going to. None of us are perfect. And we might have moments where we feel unworthy. This flood of grace, which I'm sure Peter felt in the deepest of way, denying and betraying Jesus. But Jesus still meets him, and Jesus still meets us 
in those moments to ask, do we love him? And if so, follow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that despite our flaws and our failures, our feelings of unworthiness, you meet us. You set the stage. You give us every chance to right the wrongs, to answer that question again and again and again. Do we love you? And if so, to follow you. It won't be easy, God. There will be times of difficulty, frustration, of anxiety. But God, these are places you have already been because the call is to follow you, to lead us into places we may not want to go, but God, you will already be. And we give you thanks for that. Amen.